Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the 2020 uh, Mindset Leadership Conference. And I'm super excited today to introduce a, a, a person that I consider to be a good friend of mine. He's an outstanding individual. He was an outstanding football player and now is a standout as the defensive coordinator for the University of Utah football team. My friend and a coach, Morgan Scally. Morgan, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate just a little bit of your time. Dude, I'm fired up. Love what you do. Love your platform. I, I, uh, to me, it's what is going to help um, get through this time is, is your mindset because so much has happened uh, in terms of change, right, that you have to adapt. You have to find ways to grow and get better uh, or else it could be really, really depressing. Yeah, it is. No question that this is a difficult time for a lot of people. I mean, obviously, there's the initial fear and the scare of COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then also, um, you know, now it's starting to get to about six weeks now that we've all been kind of inside and pent up and doing things. And I think people are concerned about their 401k. They're concerned about their businesses and those sorts of things. So it is kind of a tender time and it's a time where people are having to dig deep um, for their mindset, for, for their mental toughness, their mental, right. whatever it is that we need to do. So I appreciate you taking a little bit of time. So I do want to say this, there's, you, you were an outstanding football player at Highland high school. You played for the university of Utah. I met you for the first time when you were doing what they call the blue and red show. I think you were doing it with a lemon. <laughs> yes. I was on a sales staff for a radio station a long time ago. And I'll tell you this, one of the things that stood out to me, and I think you had just got done playing, really. Right. When you took that job. And I remember you had an opportunity to go to Florida with Urban. You had an opportunity to, to stay with Kyle here at the U. And there was some, some, some different things. But what I loved about you was just your, your enthusiasm for life and just for whatever you're doing is contagious right you'd come in you're always in a good mood i'd say hi to you and you'd have some stupid joke to tell or you'd have something <laughs> sounds about right i don't mean stupid in 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 you, you know what i mean though you just always <laughs> have something that was on your mind and you're like what's going yeah. on how can i help out what can we do and i feel like that's really transferred over to your coaching do you feel like do you feel like that's a true statement number one and number two maybe talk to us a little bit about your mindset as a player and as a coach and, and what your philosophy has been on, on, on your mindset. Well, um, I'd say just, I got my energy and my charisma from my mom. You know, she was, she's always been an upbeat lady and always joking, always having a good time, always singing. And so I get that from my mom. I get my one track mind from my dad. So I could have guys talking to me left and right, but if I'm focused on one thing, I can never hear them. I always block them out. So like, Scally, are you there? So I <laughs> both sides there. Um, and uh, I love coaching. I love the, just the ability to teach young men at an age where they, um, you know, so many different decisions are being made. And uh, so many life lessons can be made. I got my master's in business at the University of Utah. And um, I, the, my first year I got done was my senior year in, in college. And the second year, 
I was a graduate assistant and uh, I couldn't go to class. I mean, during the day was, was just a ton of work. And so I went to see if I could transfer my status over to the professional MBA program. Well, they asked what, what, you know, what's your, what's your background? What's your business background in order to get into the, into the PMBA program? And I said, well, uh, I don't know of a better business preparation than college football. You know, when a million people plus can view your job, right? Can watch you do your job and can criticize you left and right for the way you do it right? The amount of pressure that you perform your job under, the uh, ability to work with people from different backgrounds, um, these young, you know, young men from all different parts of the country, different upbringings, um, and, and work together, and the value of leadership, just all the different things that, that I saw that I had learned in football. I was like, that was the best business experience I could have ever had. And I fooled them enough that they let me in the program and I finished my, I finished my MBA there. So yeah. I loved what football taught me and that's why I got into it, uh, was the ability to, to teach young men uh, such valuable life lessons. That, I just, I love the game. I love the game, I love the scheme. Uh, every season of the year gives you a different opportunity to do different things, whether it's recruiting, whether it's spring ball, you're into fall ball, you, you, you're, you're preparing for a, a new team every single week. Uh, I, it would be very hard for me to sit behind a cubicle and work every single day doing the same thing. I'm just, I'm just too ADD. I've got to have something different to do. And so coaching has provided that for me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an awesome answer. I love, I love that, that, uh, that thought process. I, you know, I haven't thought about that from my own from my own business acumen, right? Playing college football did prepare me for a lot of things. There's oh. diversity. I remember being criticized in the paper. I remember being praised in the paper. I remember all of that and having to take the good with the bad and having to get up on, on days where it's a tough loss and, and go back to work the next day. And then also on after a big win, having to kind of refocus yourself and get back to work, right? And, and right. realize that it's kind of a, a what have you done for me lately type world. <laughs> and, no question. And football does prepare you for that kind of stuff. I didn't, I've never thought of it in that, in, in that, uh, in that context. That's, that's great stuff. You had, um, I had seen an article, I think it was from 2016 or 2018 mm -hmm. where, and, and I, and I love this analogy. I'd like you to explain it just a little bit where you talked about, um, and I can't remember all the terms exactly, but I think you'll know what I'm talking about. You talked about orange eaters, you talked about the doers, and then you talked about the guys that are just kind of on the team. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but can you explain that a little bit to the people that are watching this and, and how that applies to mental toughness and what you're looking for in, in a young man? And, and maybe you're looking at developing that in young men too, as they're at, at your program. Well, so much of, uh, what I've learned about life has been through football, right? I mean, I, I've been, from a collegiate standpoint since 1998, have been involved in collegiate athletics uh, for a while. Um, and so everything that I, uh, the, a lot of what I've learned about life has been through athletics. And you just, you're, you're observant. You observe things. And uh, what I've observed, or there's really, when it comes down to it, three types of 
of people uh, in in college football. There are your your gamers, and the gamers are the ones that um, they just want the limelight. They just want to be in the lights on on TV, and uh, you know practice is not a big deal to them. You know they don't really understand the value of practice. Um, they're just guys that my athleticism should be all that matters, right? I'm a baller. Put me out there. Let me show you, coach, what I can do. Uh, and the process doesn't matter much to them. You know, when you talk about doing the little things right, they roll their eyes. Um, these are the gamers. And gamers, you can notice they're on the sideline, and you could be up by 30 points, and um, because they're not getting theirs, they're upset, right? They got a frown on their face. They're, they're, they're bugged. Coach has something against me. I don't know why I'm not playing, right? Uh, it's everyone's fault but, but their own that they're not getting playing time. These are the gamers, right? Coach, I'm a gamer. Yeah. Well, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get that opportunity. Yeah. Right? And they'll gamers will try and fool you every once in a while. They'll – They'll try and fool the coach into thinking, okay, he's turning a corner. And, but, but it, you know, just because they're – whether it be their selfish attitude, whatever it is, it rears its ugly head and, and they're back to doing what they, they normally do. Uh, the next group is – or the orange eaters. They're, they're different than the gamers in the sense that they don't care how much playing time they get. You know, they just want to be a part of the team. They, they're just happy to have the letterman jacket, Right. Uh, different than different than the gamers, they're on the sideline as well. But they, you know, you could be down by thirty, and 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 they're smiling, right? They're looking up in the stands. Hey, hey, mom, dad, hey, look at me. I got I'm got a jersey on, right? They're just happy to be a part of the team. And and uh, I got orange eaters from Urban Meyer, uh, and and. Uh, we call them orange eaters because you go in at halftime, they've done very little to do, to contribute anything to a victory. And you're in there at halftime. They're the first ones with their hands in the oranges, you know, <laughs> give, give me the snacks. Right. Right. Uh, right. So you don't want the orange eaters either. Cause they, they, they're not trying to contribute to the team. They're just happy to be a part of it. And then, and then you've got right. The doers, the doers are the guys that they're, in early, out late, right? They're they're finding extra time in the weight room, finding extra time in the film room. They're they're doing so much extra time in, in everything you got going that you wonder how much time they have for. And then they're your best students, and they're the ones out doing service projects. And and you get doers on your team, and you win championships. Doers aren't necessarily the best athlete, but they're grinders, and they find ways to win, and they find ways to get better. Uh, because they're competitive. So, um, you know, and, and so that's what we talk to our guys about is who are you on this football team, right? Um, and so, you know, to me, you can find those three types of people in any walk of life. You can find them in church. You can find them in business. Uh, you know, the, the ones that, that just are there to be there. Hey, I'm, I just, I'm just here doing a job, not real fired up, but I'm, I'm here. I'm just happy getting a paycheck. The ones that think that they should be the CEO, right. That are, that are behind uh, closed doors, whispering, talking about how they're much better than everyone else and they should be promoted. And then you just have the doers, the people that shut up and, and, and get the work done and they find ways to add value 
find ways to add value. If you're a value adder, and this is this comes from a book that I love. If you haven't read it, go read it. It's the Go Giver. It's a it's a short book. Great it's book. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. But one of the laws um, that he talks about is uh, you know add more in value than you receive in payment. And if you do that, then people are gonna people are gonna want you a part of their team. They're gonna want you a part of their culture. They're gonna want you a part of their program uh, because you add value and. and uh, I think you've you've probably seen that in, in in the different business opportunities that you've had, right? If you if you add value, people are going to find ways to bring you on board. Yeah, I, I love it. Thanks for explaining that. It's it's just a it's a really cool way to look at it. I've I've had coaches in the past. You know, Ed Larson, who coaches down at Lehigh, I used to call he called your gamers. He called them locker room lawyers, right? They always pleading their case to everybody on the sideline, to everybody in the stands, to the newspapers, to their mom and dad, to everybody as to the reasons why they're getting jobbed, right? Like I should yeah. be in, I'm athletic. I do this, I do that. Right. And, and I, and I love that thought, but I also like um, what you're talking about when it, when uh, the law, the, the go-giver, right. Um, I have a mentor, Who's a who's a sports uh, psychology consultant for the Tampa Bay Rays named Justin Sue? I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he, yeah. he always tells me he's like, "Hey, man, produce more than you consume. Just make sure that you're putting out content more than you read content. Make sure that because you have to read content to produce content, right? And, and right, no like, question. More than you consume, and so I love. I love these thought processes, right? Like get up every day, be intentional about what you're doing and go do something. Don't, don't just read things. Don't just like go, Oh yeah, that was cool to read my name in the paper. Go out and do something to make yourself better. And so, man, it's just really, really solid stuff and good stuff. And I, I remember hearing that or reading that story. I can't remember whether I saw you present it. it you know, my mind gets old here, but um, it's just a really, really good way to look at it. Right? Like, are you doing something today? to make yourself better or are you the guy that wants to show your letterman's jacket or you you know you're the one that's you know an energy sap are you a fountain right. or are you a sewer type person right right awesome do you feel like that you you know that you've had to change your coaching style to players now because the mental toughness or the mindset is a little bit different than what it used to be when even when you started would you start 2004? Is that when it was? About so 04 is my last year playing. I started in 06. 06 okay. was admin assistant. 07 was a graduate assistant. And then uh, essentially from 2008 on, first year coaching as a full-time assistant was the year we went to the Sugar Bowl. Right. 2009. So I've been there ever since, you know, uh, that point. And to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I um, – the, the young men that you bring into your program are different. Um, I think both from an athletic standpoint, we're being in the Pac-12, where, where when I started, we were in the Mountain West Conference. So the, 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 the level of athlete that you're able to recruit to the program is uh, on, on a whole has, has, has gotten better. Um, and the teams that you're recruiting against, right? Um, ever since we joined the Pac-12, you've seen more and more teams come into our state and recognizing that there's some darn good football here. The high school coaching here is fantastic. Uh, the talent level here is great. Um, so from an athletic standpoint, that's changed in terms of who we recruit to the program. And then the young man that you bring into your program, the challenges that they face, um, the, what, what their 
facing in high school. I mean, nowadays, um, to me, there's so much Riley out there in high school athletics that promotes the individual over the team, right? Uh, what a kid's star ranking is, right? Um, in social media, kids will text out, here's my latest offer, right? Look at me, look how many offers I have. Um, and, and that's great. And people want to, want to retweet and like, and, and, but it, what it does is it's, it, it continues to promote the individual. And in my opinion, take away from, from the team. Uh, you have, um, you know, fantasy sports that you're picking individuals and the individual production uh, to be what is um, rewarded, right? Yeah. So, uh, and then you've got these different uh, all-star games that kids are getting invited to. And it's just, um, this is a, is a team game. And uh, you see kids leaving, um, not playing in their bowl games to, to leave for the NFL. And I get it. There's the, there's the, the, two sides to each story, right? And the plus and the minus. But um, to me, we need to continue. And, and uh, what's coming up in collegiate athletics is, is scary too, the pay for play, right? Uh, some, you know, some kid going to be making more, you know, is your, is your starting running back going to be making more than your pass rush D end? Who's more valuable? I mean, that stuff's going to be coming into play. And, uh, and so. And then you've got the portal. Got the transfer. the transfer portal and, and being able to, and, and we've, I mean, again, both sides, right? We've taken advantage of it and we've lost guys to it. Um, right. So you, again, you just have to continue to adapt and evolve. But in my opinion, what can't change is your culture. And, and uh, if you compromise your culture um, to win games, then you know, I got to get out of the business. Yeah. That's not what we're, that's not what we're about. So yeah, I've had to evolve as a coach. I've had to evolve in, in how uh, I address the young men. Um, but for the better, in my opinion, right. Uh, becoming a better teacher, right. Uh, throughout the years, uh, understanding that if I'm yelling at someone, am I yelling at, am I yelling at the player um, because he did it wrong or, or am I yelling at the player because, um, you know, I've got something personal with him about the way he prepares. Um, have I been clear as a coach? Yeah. To me, you get coaches that yell at kids and the kids are confused because you never made it clear what it is they're supposed to do. Right. And so I'm a big, I'm a big Tim Kite fan. I don't know if you, you know, have you studied much of Tim Kite or read his stuff or listened to him? I, I haven't read a ton of his stuff. I've been just all of a sudden lately, I've been starting to get into some of reading about him and his stuff. Man, I, I love his stuff. I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you a link to one of his podcasts. Awesome. Um, he worked with Urban and, you know, he talked about two, two aspects of leadership, right? One the first aspect is you've got to build trust and, and there's, there's different levels to that. Right. 
Uh, and then the second aspect of leadership is getting results. So it's building trust, it's getting results. And as part of getting results, what he talks about is clarity, accountability, and support. You got to be very clear about what you're after. If you're not clear as a teacher, as a coach, about what you're after, it can be very confusing and very frustrating for your players when you're trying to discipline them and get after them, right? So clarity is such a big deal. And when you come into our office at the University of Utah, you're going to see Tim Kite's performance pathway and you're going to see what, you know, what leadership is and, and what we expect out of our coaches. Uh, but clarity is a big part of it. And so um, as a coaching staff, you know, throughout the years, we've, we've gotten better at clarity, uh, holding our guys accountable and then giving them the support that they need. Right. I think, I think too often support is seen as soft and I don't believe that, you know, Kids need to know that you love them. Kids need to know that you care. I mean, how many of us want a pat on the back? Everyone wants a pat. Everyone wants to know that what they do matters, right? And so, anyway, uh, that's long, long roundabout way of answering your questions. How I've had to adapt as a as a coach throughout these changing times. Yeah, I I, I like what you're saying, and you, and I think you do have to adapt. I. I, I, I like what you said about the individual being promoted over the team. Uh, a lot of times when I'm working with athletes right now, I'm talking to them like, look, not everybody can be the best player on the team, but you, all of you, every single athlete can be the best player for their team. And I, I, I tell kids as they're coming to college, like, look, you may have been the man, right? You're going to have to figure out how to be the best player for the team before you can be the best player on the team. And you, you can have both. But you got to do the first one first, right? Right. Like, you got to be the best player for the team. And take a look at take a look at Terrell Burgess. Terrell Burgess is coming out, and uh, I received phone call after phone call about this kid. Didn't play, and Cody Barton was the exact same way the year before. A, a guy that all he did throughout his entire time in your program was work and get better and find a way to add value. He was on special teams. Every single special team that we had, both Cody and both Terrell were on that special team. Terrell was in my room as a nickel and he would listen as I would coach the safeties. He didn't know the, need to know the safety position, but he took it upon himself to know the safety position so that when the time came, when we had Marquise Blair go down with a torn ACL, we had uh, Corian Ballard or, or Chase Hansen was, was hurt and we needed him in a bowl game. He said, coach, I know the safety position. I can play it. And, and now the guy is going to be a third or a fourth round draft pick, you know, in, in one year, in one year of, of being a starter. So you're exactly right. Be the best for your team before thinking about being the best on the team. Yeah. And I, I see it over and over and over in your program. I, I tell people all the time, if I wanted to sit down with Kyle or with you or with Gary Anderson or Kalani Sataki or, you know, Coach Peterson up at Washington, like we could sit down and all of us could have a blast doing the X's and O's. And I would have, right. I mean, one of the best times ever talking about, okay, so I throw this formation at you and I go short field on this and I'm trying to attack this. What, what's your answer? And we'll have all kinds of fun with the chess game because that's fun for us. Right. But I feel like the coaches that separate and the programs that separate are the teams that understand just exactly what you said. It's culture. 
right? It doesn't right. matter if you guys run the wishbone. It doesn't matter whether you run 4-3, 3-4. I don't care if you ran a 9-2 defense. <laughs> if your culture's right, you're, you're going to be able to be successful in, in whatever scheme you decide. And I think right. if you look around the country, right, you look, at, you look at the University of Utah, who I think is, you know, a flagship for that. But I think when you look around, you know, Chris Peterson, I think of his programs as having a good culture. I even think of Bronco Mendenhall, whether you, whether you love him or you hate him or you hate the way that he implemented it, there's a good culture there where the kids, are, they know what's expected of them in their program, right? And so to me, I think it's really cool what you're talking about. And I, and I just get, I get really excited when I hear coaches talk this way because it gives me hope that there's still – that there's still some good out there, right? And I and I see it with player after player after player that you've coached personally. I mean, I look at Chase Hansen. Um, I had a chance to work with Marcus Williams um, with with some different things. Just fantastic human beings. Like uh, there there was a there was a. So I work with Braden Godfrey, and we we run some different things together. But he had hired for a summer camp for like minimum money, like Marcus Williams, I, Isaiah, uh, excuse me. Um, anyway, Marcus stood out to me in the sense that like I brought my son who was just newborn. He's like one years old and we're having this little staff meeting talking about how this is going to work out and everything. And he's, here he is, you know, he's, he's picking up my son as a one year old and he's like, Hey, what's this guy's name? And he's playing around with him. And I was just like, you know, I'm not sure that I would have felt comfortable doing that as a junior or a sophomore in college with anybody's baby, mm. you know, and he was playing around with him. And I was just like, this is a great human being. Right. right? And a great person. And he always showed up on time and he was, and there's other players at the university of Utah that we were hurting to try to get to these events and do things. And they, they, they weren't as good, but like Marcus sticks out, Chase Hansen sticks out. You know, the Braden Godfrey's of the world stick out that have been in your program that they do what they're supposed to do. They say what they mean. They mean what they say. And, you know, Marcus and Chase are in the NFL. Braden Godfrey's a successful business person. And it's just fun to watch because I think your culture is kicking out, whether they're going to the NFL or whether they're being pros in their own world, your culture is kicking out great human beings. And I think that's a, a great a great compliment to Kyle and to you and your success there. That's just my personal opinion. I appreciate it, my man. And I, I think the to add to that, at some point, no one's going to care what forty time they run. No, no one's going. No one. The, the best part about them is not going to be how high they can jump or how hard they they can hit. At some point, no one cares about that. That you know, that will fall by the wayside. So what, what have you done at the university uh, to learn a, a skill set that will last beyond, you know, your 40 time? Yeah. And, and the, all those things that you talked about, about being good people, about serving others, about working and, and being early, being uh, upfront, right? Not being afraid to ask a question. Uh, all, all those things are what are going to make them successful beyond football. If all, if, all they, if all they learn in your program is, to, is how do I weave better, how do I backpedal and drive better, man, have we failed them, right? 
we have, we have failed them because football will end just like that for the majority of them. And if you've not taught them a skill set and a mindset beyond X's and O's, that's, that's not a good look. Yeah. And it's, it, it, I'll tell you what, it makes it hard for me not to root for those guys. I mean, it, you know, it, it, those guys are doing great things in their lives because they're good people, not just because, and, and you stand next to Chase Hansen and you're just like, my gosh, dude. It, I mean, if Greek God was like, standing, like in the dictionary, <laughs> no, like, dude, man, put Chase right there. Right. And go, dude, that guy. I mean, <laughs> you know, and Marcus is—he he reminds me of your personality a lot. Like, he—he'll he, joke around and he'll, but when it comes down to it, like it's time to get to business. Like he's down to business. Like he likes right. to have a good time, but he. And so, fun, fun people. I could, I could talk about our connections for a long time. Actually, right. I did want to bring up a couple. Like I have. It's interesting with you. I have so many different connections to you and so many people that all say so. So Jeremy Clegg lives right next to me, right? Hey. So, friend of yours, Christian Thompson, who played at Skyline, played you against people. I've got, um, you know, Andrew Taylor is my very best friend who's connected to you through the rugby world. and, and Island Rugby, one, two. That's Three, right. So, so – it's, it's interesting to me to talk to you. It's interesting to me to watch your career. And these guys all still talk so highly about you. And, and you're doing incredible things in your own career. So I just wanted to – we've talked about team. We've talked about culture. I just wanted to switch to you personally just a little bit here. And, mm -hmm. and I think you're an incredibly resilient person, and I think it's important to highlight a little bit about that. But what do you think your biggest failure is, and how did you overcome that, or what did you learn from that? situation man um that's one of those questions you need to send me before the before this is I, I did i did, <laughs> I, did. I, I i'm sure you did my sorry but didn't read it uh, <laughs> my big yeah, my big i've had a ton of failures dude I've had a I've had a ton of failures um, maybe just take one and highlight it and tell me tell me what you learned cuz I think it's important for people to look at somebody like you who's at, at the top of his game. You're, you're a Pac-12 defensive coordinator. Everybody knows you're going to be a head coach someday. I think it's important for people to realize that there's failures out there, right? It's not Oh, just my gosh. Time, time and time again. Right? Time and time again. Yeah, I, you know, um, I would say when I came in as a graduate assistant, I think, you know, my, my – I was – coaching for a guy that I, that I played for and I loved in, in Kyle Whittingham. And as a graduate assistant, um, I, I think I, I spoke too much. Uh, I spoke my mind. I said things. Uh, and I wasn't a, a full-time coach. Um, but I would speak up and say things at times that, uh, you know, I didn't have the experience to, to, to give me that platform. And I look back on that, and I uh, and I know I rubbed people the wrong way. Um, and uh, I look back on that, and I should have done a whole lot more listening than I did talking. And uh, I would have learned a lot more. I would have progressed a lot faster, in my opinion. Um, but uh, just the ability to truly listen. And, and, uh, and not think that you got the answers. Um, 
and, and really value people for their experience. Um, you know, where I felt like I did apply that was the time where, um, you know, it came down to, it was when Kyle had the opportunity to hire me as the defensive coordinator the first time around, and he went with John Pease. And uh, I looked back on that and I said, you know what? It'd be very easy for me right now to just be like, this is bogus. I deserve this. Uh, I feel like I've proven myself. But, it, but it, I, I'd learned from myself as a graduate assistant. I said, what is this? Um, okay, what can I learn from this, right? And what an unbelievable year that was for me to learn and listen from John Pease, who I think is one of the best coaches out there. Um, I love that man. And what an awesome time that was for me to take that attitude of, okay, you know what? It's not my turn. It's not my time. And I'm just going to sit and listen and add value where I can. Um, and, and, you know, that was such an awesome year for me. But it, it was how I handled that situation as opposed to when I came in as a graduate assistant saying, well, I want to be a, I want to be a DC in five years. I want to be a head coach in 10 years. I want to do this. I wanted, and I hadn't done a thing in terms of coaching. Right. And, uh, and so, and I had some great coaches, Gary Anderson and, and Andy Ludwig and Dave Schramm and all those guys that had spent a ton of time coaching Charlie Dickey. I mean, you name it, we had, there were some really good coaches and I, I just uh, needed to do a whole lot, whole lot better job of listening. Interesting. That's, that's great stuff right there. Uh, if I were to take some of your peers that have known you since like Highland high school and, and they were, to, they were to put together this phrase, they said, they, they said this, they said, Morgan will be successful because he blank competes, competes, competes. Yeah. I, no matter what it is, um, I, I just want to, I want to compete. I want to win. Um, I would take pride in, in college in f finding who was the smartest person in the classroom. And I was going to go sit next to them and I was going to find a way to beat them, whether it be on a test, whether it be in a grade, whatever it was, I was going to find a way to outperform them. Um, and so uh, the Scally household is, is very competitive. It was competitive growing up. It, whether it was card games, uh, you know, tennis, football, you name it, there was always a competition and Ascali was always leaving the room upset <laughs> and cussing out the other person. <laughs> so the, what, competition was fostered in, in, in our household. What is, what is the difference to you then? And I, and I, and I love this because I, I think that's totally true about you. What's the difference though between being a competitor and a poor and a poor sport? Like, do you think some people mix that up? Oh, I'm try I try to teach that to my son all the time. There's a difference between being a baby about something that happens and being a competitor, right? So how do you no question teach that? How do you what what is the difference? Well, I mean, just look at uh, look at the last dance. Have you been watching that? Oh man, is that fun to watch or what? Look at Michael and his brother, right? Same same type of you know what? He was competing for his what his his father's love. Right? He wanted his father to to 
see him and as, as that guy. Um, and uh, he wasn't a poor sport about it, didn't whine, didn't cry about it. He just kept on getting after it. And, and there's, there's those times where, and I'm teaching my son, there's a, it's okay to cry because you, you lost. What, what's not okay is to point fingers and say, well, that's the reason I, you know, he's the reason or she's the reason I lost. No, no, no. What can you learn from what y- your performance showed? What can you learn from that? And how can you improve upon it? Yeah. Um, the inner game of tennis is awesome. It, look, 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 sitting right on my desk. Dude. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. Isn't it, isn't it crazy how, like, I mean, I wish the title was something else because I think people should. Yeah, it keeps people from reading it. Right, but it, it, it applies to so much in life, right? You got oh, it. It's such a good book. Not, beat, not beating yourself up, right? But, but <laughs> really trying to take an honest look at your performance and how can I improve? Uh, how, can I, how can I better myself, Right. Um, I just love, I love that book and what it teaches about not beating yourself up when you lose. Yeah, oh, man. I, I, I've right now I'm working with an MMA fighter and, and, and believe it or not, that's the book we're reading. And that's what we come back and talk about. Like, okay, so how does that apply to when you're in the middle of a ring and a guy's trying to freaking punch your face in <laughs> You know what I mean? And yes. he's loving it. He's like, dude, it, it is so applicable. Like, you know, right. like we're going through some of these and it's just so fun to, I loved it. I think you, I think you tweeted it out a few days ago about the inner game of tennis, but it's a great book. And it's interesting because the, the field of sports psychology wasn't really even considered a real discipline until 1992. Right. So that's, that's when it mm. like now, the book was written in like 1974 and there was guys that were dabbling in this, this sports psychology realm, but the real discipline wasn't, you know, accepted as a field until 1982. So it's interesting to me that a book in 1974, 46 years ago is still one of the best books on like, you know, kind of just like stepping away from the emotion of the moment and understanding like, Hey, there can be emotion tied to every up and down if you want, but if, if you if you really want to be your best self, you got to look at it as a umpire in a tennis match would, or as an umpire in a baseball game would. He's calling those without a lot of emotion. It's just like, look, it's a ball or a strike. It's in or it's out. Right. And if we can look at it a little bit more like that, like, no, that's not the correct footwork. No, that's not the correct way to do that. Exactly. And not be emotional. Just let it be like, okay, well, now I got, now I know where I need to go to win this game. It, it becomes so just rich and, and really deep as far as your mindset can be. If you can take that criticism or you can take some of those changes and just apply them without emotion being attached to it. Right. Oh, that's so much of what we try and teach our players and it's applicable to us as coaches. Everyone out there has an answer as to why you failed. If they're, if they're emotionally attached to it, right? You got a bunch of Utah fans. They want to win a Pac-12 championship just as much as we do. Um, and so they're emotional about the wins and losses, right? They're emotional about the outcomes. Um, and, and, and they feel like they're going to voice their opinion on social media, on the radio, whatever it is. And, and what you have to teach the players and the coaches, I myself during the season am off social media just for that, for that reason alone. Right, uh, but hey, because you care and you're competitive, right? Right, 
Right, no question. What does the film say? What does the film say, right? You, you know more than any fan out there. You know more than what, what matters what is what's in this room right now and what does the film say about why we lost? You know, and, and we are very transparent about that. We're very open. You can't sugarcoat anything. Here are the plays. Here's why we lost. How can we correct it? Is this an effort thing? Is this a technique thing? Is this a, you know, schematic thing? Whatever it is, let's address the issue for what it is. Let's not lis listen to the outside voices that have no idea, that aren't waking up at 5.30 in the morning uh, and, with you and grinding and don't listen to those voices. Sorry, that's my son in the background. I love it. I love it. Yes, my dude. But um, really, you know, just all that matters is what's here right now. And let's talk about where we can improve. I love it. I love it. Okay. A couple questions. I want you to get back to your dude, right? So you can hang out with your guy. My guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, how hard is it? In, in, in your world, and how important is it to be authentic to yourself as a coach? Because you've been around some amazing coaches. You've been around Urban Meyer. You've been around Kyle Whittingham. Um, there was a whole bunch of coaches that were on your staff when you were in the 2004 Fiesta Bowl that have gone on to be fantastic coaches at other schools as well. Right. How, how do you take all of that information, and how important is it to stay authentic to yourself even though you, you might want to try and emulate or copy some of the things from Urban Meyer or from Kyle and do it their way. Like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you balance that? Well, if you're not authentic, then uh, young men aren't stupid. They will see you as fake. And, and uh, you know, some of them will call you out on it. And so you just have to be, you have to be yourself um, because what you can't do is, well, two things. Number one is, of course, you can learn from coaches. I, I take what I feel is best from each coach that I've coached under, whether it be a head coach, whether it be a coordinator, whether it be a position coach, whatever it is, there's things that you see that you're like, man, I think that's effective, right? I love that. I want that a part of who I am. And, and you try and emulate that. Um, but when it's a wholesale deal, when you're trying to sell yourself as something that you're not, people see it for what it is. And it's not, it doesn't take the effect. It does not have the effect. So you have to be who you are, uh, learn and grow from, from those that are around you and take what's best. I think one of the best books that I've, I've read on that is Ego is the Enemy. You ever, you ever read of that, Ryan Holiday? You're right up my alley. All these books, Dude, I can love that. Ego is the Enemy is perhaps one of my favorite. He, he just... Uh, the obstacle is the way is another good one, good one by him. But ego is the enemy talked about Genghis Khan and how, when he would uh, take over all these, uh, all these civilizations, how he would, he would spend time with them and learn their strengths and, and he would adapt and improve and, and uh, use what was best about those cultures. And I love that, right? The ability to learn and not think that there's only one right way. Um, but, but that you can, you can take from different, from different people, best practices and, and include them in what you do. So I loved that. And, uh, but it's gotta be you. And, you know, if, if you're a jokester and joking around, you know, and, and having fun as a defensive coordinator, and all of a sudden you become a head coach and, and, and your personality completely changes. It's like, wait, who is this guy? Right. You know? 
So you got to be true to yourself. Yeah, I think that's great. So, you know, and I was, as you're talking about ego is the enemy, I, I think that's one of the reasons you were talking about earlier about how, why am I yelling at this kid, right? Sometimes it's ego, right? Like when I see little league coaches and they're screaming at a kid, it's ego because they're embarrassed that a bad play happened on their watch. It's not that they're, it's not that they clearly told that kid what to do. It's not that they clearly taught him what to do. It's they're embarrassed that it's a reflection on them. And that could be like a huge problem for, for trust with your players, right? Oh my gosh. Yelling at them because you're embarrassed. Then we got problems. You need to coach them up better. Right. And, and that, that's a hard one for me. That's been hard for me as a coach. Sometimes I'm, I think I yelled because I was embarrassed, right? Like I, like I thought I taught you that. No, you didn't. Oh crap. Okay. Let's, let me circle back here. Let's, let's get a little bit better. And there's some humility that has to take place as a coach. But I think that, that, that humility as it grows, that that's what helps you to be authentic is, is like, okay, this is who I am. This is how I coach. Right. If I can remove my ego, then I'm now become now I'm now trustworthy, right? I'm, you can trust me to tell you the truth, and you can trust me to be consistent, which is what a lot of these players want. A lot of players they don't mind playing for a hard nosed guy because that guy tells them the truth all the time and he's consistent. They hate the guy that's super nice to him, but he's constantly moving the goalposts so they can't win the game, right? And so that's a, that's it's a- it's important for your guys to hear from yourself that you're human, that you make mistakes, right? Hey guys, I screwed up on that. I should not have called that in this situation. The more they hear that from you, the more it's like, okay, coach get, I mean, no one's perfect. Uh, I don't, I don't call the perfect game. It's like, there's, there's times where I'm going to screw the deal up, but let's just like, you're going to screw the deal up in a, in a technique or an assignment. Let's, let's be okay with it and let's get past it. Let's continue to work together. Yeah, and let's get better together. Right. Right. No question. Man, this is, there's so many good nuggets in here. Last question. Yes, sir. You kind of talked about it at the very beginning. There's a lot of people going through change. There's a lot of people going through difficulties right now. They're losing loved ones. They're losing 401ks. They're losing uh, things. And it, and it feels like a huge change right now. Advice, thoughts on your experiences to those people that are struggling right now. What, what would you say to people out there that are struggling right now? Well, um, I would say two things. Number one is um, trust in God. And I, I know not everyone out there is religious, right? I get it. Not everyone out there believes in the same God. But um, I, I choose to believe in something that's a lot more powerful than, than myself. Um, and uh, you know, there, there's a, a scripture that I love that I call upon. And again, I don't mean to get religious, but I do mean to be true to who I am. And uh, the scripture is all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. Right. Um, and so I choose to take an attitude of there's a reason for this. Right. And uh, that's, that's a, that's, so I can't remember what book I read that from, but instead of why is this happening to me? Why is this happening for me? What can I learn from this? How can I grow? How can I get better from this situation and then and fight to get better? Uh, I knew nothing about iMovie before this. Uh, this <laughs> I, and I'm splicing together videos and putting stuff together. 
um, you know, learning stuff about uh, our, you know, technology and, and, uh, and Exos, how, how we present stuff to our players, Google Classroom. I had no idea about Google Classroom, but um, just finding ways to continue to grow and learn and, and, and get better. Um, because at the end of the day, the people that, that will get through this uh, are the people that refuse to uh, stay stagnant. You know, it's, it's the people that are like, okay, there's a reason for this. What is, you know, what can I learn from it? And let's get after it. I love it. I love it. That, that's, this has been such a good interview, Morgan. I, I knew it was going to be a good interview. I've been looking forward to it since last Friday when we, when we exchanged the text. Thank you so much. I, I feel the same way. I, I, Zoom, what? Record a yeah, Zoom? Right. Like, paste it <laughs> on the website. Like I can do an audio file into a podcast. What? Okay. Okay. Right. I'm your guy. Let me, let me figure this out. Like I'm going to figure this out. Right. And right. I think it's going to make us all better. And I think the, the one thing that I've been telling people that I, that I think kind of compliments what you're saying is like, this, this whole situation is a great opportunity for us to build better habits, right? It's a great opportunity for us to just sit back for a minute and go, okay, what can I do just a little bit better than I was doing before all this happened? And, and I, I firmly believe, and, and, and this is a little bit religious too, but like by small and simple things, great things are brought to pass, right? Little by little, a little becomes a lot. And if I can make a few small tweaks here to, to my business, to my mindset, to my relationships with other people, maybe I'll come out of this in a little bit better place than I was before all this started. So Love it. Well, yeah. you got it. The last thing would be really pay attention to the voices you allow into your life. The voices you listen to. There's a oh, lot I don't of, want to cut you off. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, keep... no, there's a, there's a lot of negativity out there and uh, just be very disciplined in, in terms of who you listen to and who you allow to have an effect in your life because there's enough negativity out there that if all you do is, is, is read social media, that'll get you down real quick. Yeah. For, for those of you that don't know Morgan on Twitter, you can follow him at safety pride, by the way, is it, it, it was the iMovie comment because you've been breaking down all these players and, and you and got it. You dude, got it. Dude, they have been so fantastically good. <laughs> so, you know, like all time good. Like I'm uh, like, appreciate it. You know what I really thought? I thought, man, he must have a freaking sweet GA that can put this together for him. So he can like, so you're doing that all by yourself. I'm, I, hats off to you. That's I know. I was talking to the, the Rams defensive coordinator. was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Are you sending these clips to your GA? And how, I'm like, no, dude, I'm doing it myself, you joker. I love it. I love it, dude. They're, they are fantastic. So follow, follow Morgan. He is a fantastic follow, uh, obviously, in the offseason. At Safety Pride. Yes. <laughs> he won't get anything from me during the season. Yeah, right? then during, the season brother. during the season, he's not listening to you anyway. So <laughs> I appreciate it, Morgan. I really, really appreciate it. Have a, have, a, have a great day, and thanks for spending a little time with me. Thanks, brother. It's an awesome deal. All right, man. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir.